Hey guys, and welcome to Unpack the Pursuit, a podcast where we have real talk about change. Unpack the Pursuit is dedicated to helping us think differently about change and how we want to get to the places we so desperately want to go. Get ready for empowering tips and tools, lots of storytelling and inspiring interviews. We are your hosts, Natalie and Molly. Let's unpack this. Hey guys, welcome to our episode. This episode, we'll be going over making lifestyle changes that last. So we've been talking a lot about the emotional cycle of change. So we talk about this and how we can implement change through anything that you're going through, but we haven't really touched upon how to make these changes last. And we know that sometimes during changes, it can be really hard to implement things that actually you can keep sustainable. So I just wanted to bring up a quote that I heard too recently. One of the courses that I was taking, which is little things done consistently over time equals the best results. And so we're excited to talk to you guys about this theme today. And I'm going to pass it over to Molly, who's going to introduce our guest speaker who we're super excited about. Yes. So I wanted to quickly talk about Girl Boss really briefly because that's where I met our guest today. It's Professional Network of a New Era. That's what they call themselves, their tagline, if you will. And it's a super rad platform where girls or women can connect for the most part on sort of business pursuits, entrepreneurship, anything that you're interested in or have questions about. Right now they're in beta. And so it's a bit simplistic in nature, but it's a really great community. And so I definitely recommend you guys sign up. But it was there that I met Megan, who is our guest for this podcast, and we'll be talking about how to make lifestyle changes last. She is a holistic nutritionist and wellness expert living in Venice, California, though she's actually currently in transition, which is perfect for our podcast. And she's going to move to New York City, which is a huge change. So I'm excited to hear more about that. She is a graduate of Pepperdine University and has a background in all things healthy living. She has extensively studied and been certified in holistic and sports nutrition, personal training, yoga, acro yoga, meditation, breath work, and eating psychology. So basically the guru we all want to know. (laughs) She also recently started a nonprofit organization called Be More, which we'll talk a little bit more about, dedicated to creating conversations about self-esteem and mental health in adolescence. When she's not out campaigning for Be More or working with her clients, which I'm sure takes up a lot of her time, you can find her doing handstands down at the beach in Santa Monica, which is stunning, I will add. Thank you so much, Megan, for joining us. We're so excited to have you. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on. It is truly a pleasure to be here. Are you in Venice Beach right now? I'm actually not right now. I'm uh, visiting family in Arizona at the moment. So a little bit hotter than Venice Beach. Oh my gosh, we're in Arizona. Natalie, you're in Arizona, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Oh, really? Tucson. Yeah. Oh my God, rad. I'm in Yuma, Arizona. Oh, cool. Okay, I've never Thank made it there. But yeah. My brother That's went awesome. to U of A, which is in Tucson. I'm oh, yep. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a nice little town. Very, very pretty. Total desert, but pretty. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, we're kind of in the middle of monsoon season right now. So we've gotten some really awesome rainstorms over the last week. Oh, that's lovely. I love rainstorms. We've had some crazy rainstorms too in Nashville. I'm based in Nashville right now. Oh, cool. I love this. Connecting from all over the country. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
I know it's pretty wonderful what we can do these days, especially in terms of recording a podcast. Who knew that you can do it basically remotely? (laughs) Yeah, it's the best. Mm -hmm. All right. Are you ready if we dive into some questions for you? I'm ready. Let's get right into the good stuff. (laughs) All right. Awesome. So the first question is, how did you get started as a wellness-based life coach? So I have always had an affinity and a passion for, for wellness from a pretty young age. I was really fortunate in that I was introduced to yoga when I was about 13 years old and started practicing pretty consistently after that. And it became such a big part of my life. And around the same time, I started getting really passionate about nutrition as well. My dad is one of the best cooks, if not the best cook ever. And so I grew up in the kitchen with him and just really started learning more about the healing power of food too. And I could tell what a big difference it was making in my life to be physically fit and strong and to be taking care of myself. And I just knew that I wanted to help other people with that. And I didn't necessarily know what form that would take. And it's taken many forms over the years, but I just knew that that was the world that I wanted to dive into. So when I went off to college and and after college, that's what I did. And I started learning as much as I possibly could, getting certifications, working with mentors, doing my own healing work and, and working with my body and my wellness journey and just kind of evolving from there based on the trends that I was seeing that people were struggling with and, and what people needed more of when it came to their health and their well-being. So that's kind of what landed me where I am now is a combination of all the things I've learned and all the people I've worked with and realizing that health really does take a holistic approach. It's so much more than just like the diet you follow, the amount of times you work out in a week. There's so much more that goes into being a balanced and vibrantly healthy human being than that. And so I really like just educating people on how to have that more empowered relationship with their body and their health. So many great keywords that I feel like you (laughs) said there. One part I really, really liked is when you talked about how what you wanted to do took many different forms, because I think that's something that holds a lot of us back is we know sort of what we want to do. We don't really know how to do it and what it will look like. And so that can be a really like core anxiety is will it look this way? Does it look like living in this area or this area or taking this job or this job and sort of trusting that it will take different forms over time and that it will ultimately lead you where you want to go is so huge. It's so true. I mean, change is definitely the, the one constant. And if you can get comfortable with things changing and evolving throughout the rest of your life, then you're definitely going to be better off and, and probably less anxious than somebody mm-hmm. who's constantly trying to control everything. And I know because I've done it the hard way. <laughs> totally. So when we first met, you were telling me that as a wellness-based life coach, you talk about change and transition quite a bit with your clients. How does talking about change and transition relate to your coaching? I mean, it's really everything because a lot of the times when people come to me, they have a particular concern that they're wanting to address, whether they have digestive issues or a hormonal imbalance, like a a specific health issue that they want to work on, or they just generally feel unhealthy and unwell and they want to have more energy and they just want to feel better in their life. Whatever the issue is that they want to address, it's going to require fundamental change. And whatever habits and routines and lifestyle they've been following up until that point that's gotten them to where they are, that's not going to work to get them where they want to go. So having that conversation about change right off the bat is really just kind of preparing them for, for what's to come and to understand that 
it's not an overnight fix. I'd say that's true of almost anything in life, but especially when it comes to health and wellness, it's not like you, you make all these changes overnight and the next week you feel completely better or you're where you want to be. It's a lifelong process and it's always evolving. And because our bodies are always evolving, there's constantly new things that we have to deal with. You have to be really willing to be in it for the long haul. I love to have that conversation with people and with myself. I have to check in consistently with myself because I I get caught in the trap of like, wait a minute, I've been doing all the things that worked before. and Why are they not working anymore? And having to really stop mm-hmm. and go, okay, well, I'm in a different chapter and phase of my life right now. And maybe I have more stress or maybe I'm in a different environment. And the things that you do that worked before are not always going to work in the future. So it's so beneficial to have flexibility and that fluidity in your relationship with yourself and your habits throughout every area of your life. And yeah, I think if you can have that that willingness to change and adapt, then you'll definitely set yourself up for success. I don't know if you're going to answer this in the next question, Megan, but when you are implementing these changes with your clients, how do you kind of choose the first thing to work on? Yeah, it's a great question. And so, you know, going back to what I was saying before and having that conversation with them about change and it being a lifelong process and really getting them to start to be willing to commit to that journey. The way that I work with clients is really different than the traditional approach to health and wellness. A lot of the times you'll work with a nutritionist or a personal trainer or anybody who's trying to get you to change your lifestyle habits and they'll give you 30 new things to do at once. You need to cut out all these different foods and you need to exercise this many days a week and you need to go to sleep at these hours. All of the things that they're telling them are great and probably would be really beneficial if they could stick to them. But most human beings can't do that many new things at once. It takes a lot of willpower to build new habits. And you know that's building one or two new habits, not 30 all at once. So the way that I work with people is very gradual and and I do select one or two, you know, no more than three, but often one or two things for them to focus on and work at work on at a time. So when we're getting started and even as we're moving forward, it's for me kind of an intuitive approach based on prioritizing what their goals are what their health history is, and being realistic with where they're at right now in terms of what positive habits they already have and what sort of self-sabotaging habits they have that might be kind of hard to break and kind of getting a feel for that person and their resistance or willingness to change. So it might be as simple as starting with I just want you to drink a glass of water when you wake up first thing in the morning and like do that for a week. And let's see if you can, you can show up for yourself and and do that thing that you haven't done. That's been hard for you and do it seven days in a row. And if you can do that, I can get an idea for where you're at in terms of your commitment to yourself and, and this health journey that you're on. And then from there, prioritizing whatever else it is we're working on. I love that so much. I love that. It's so true. Like about you got to start small because people, when they want to go on a diet, they're like, I'm just going to eliminate absolutely everything. Dude, you've been eating that your whole life. Like that's not going to last. So it's, it's so smart that, that start small, be consistent approach. Because there's so much that's tied up in the conditioning of why we choose the foods we choose and when we eat them and how much we eat of them. And I'm not here to 
take away people's joy either. There's certain habits that are comforting and that make people feel good for a reason because they've adapted that way. And so a lot of the work that I do ends up being talk therapy with people, like working them through how they've conditioned themselves certain to a certain point. And I want them to experience wins. I didn't always coach this way. I used to give people a lot of things to do all at once. And it would be frustrating for both of us because we'd come back to our next meeting or session and they would feel bad and guilty because they didn't do what I had prescribed them to do. And I would feel frustrated and why can't I help this person? And it just, it feels so much better when you have that win and you can come back and say like, I did this. I did it every day and this is how I felt. And I was able to notice the difference that that one thing made for me. And that's also another great point is that the the less you do at a time, the more you're able to identify how these habits are impacting you. If you change 40 things all at once, you don't necessarily know which one made the difference. What is one of the, or multiple if there are, differentiating factors between changes that last and maybe changes that don't last? I'd say the number one differentiating factor is your why, your motivation behind the change. Changes that last have a really deeply rooted and substantial why behind them. And changes that don't last, they don't have that same motivation or inspiration or driving force behind them. So, you know, if somebody wants to get stronger and healthier because they want to spend more time playing with their kids and not feel so winded or because they want to, you know, have more energy for their partner to like enjoy traveling together and whatever it may be, or they want to have more energy to dedicate to their side hustle and feel great doing that. That's going to be so much more connected and tangible for somebody than just, well, I want to look good this weekend for the pool party or whatever. It definitely makes a big difference to have a strong why behind what you're doing. I love all of that that you said. That's just, it's that why is a lot of times people don't really talk about that. And they have, some people have such minuscule things like, oh, I just want to look good for this pool party. So, okay, so this is going to last you like a week. And it really has to be a long lasting passion. So I think that's... And side note, that looking good for the pool party is totally valid, right? But it's linked to a deeper why, which is, that's the deeper part that we're trying to pull out of ourselves is, is it really looking good at the pool party or is it showing up in my skin feeling confident? Yeah. That's the main difference. And that's why a lot of the work that I do with people, a lot of talking and a lot of exercises and experiential healing work to get to the root of why they are doing what they're doing, Uh, especially when it comes to body and body image women in particular have a lot of conditioning that has driven them to feel like they need to look a certain way. And so a lot of times our desires aren't necessarily our own. Like you said, wanting to look good at the pool party might actually just boil down to like wanting to feel confident in your own skin. And maybe you can achieve that without looking any different. So how can we address that at the same time and like get to the psychology behind what's going on while we also implement behaviors that serve your overall health and longevity? Oh my God, that is so rad. I love that. It's that holistic approach. So we want to switch gears because your nonprofit sounds absurdly amazing. And we want to hear more about the Be More campaign. Absolutely. Yeah, I would love to share. 
our nonprofit organization, Be More, we create in-school curriculum and digital campaigns to teach teenagers about how social media impacts their mental health and self-esteem, which, I mean, seems to be a growing problem by the day. It's becoming more and more relevant and not just for teenagers. I think all of us struggle with that a little bit. And I mean, it's just kind of the changing nature of the society that we're in right now. And there is so much that is beneficial about social media and technology and the way that we can use it to educate ourselves, to motivate and empower ourselves, to connect with others and meet people uh, in different parts of the world you might not have otherwise met. But I think that it's irresponsible of us to be providing this tool, especially to kids and younger generations, without also providing them with the education as to the negative impacts that it might have and the tools to learn how to really mitigate those negative impacts. So that's what we do at Be More. And it's also just kind of thinking about being a teenager was hard enough. I think back on my teen years and, you know, the pressures of you know, body image and self-esteem and fitting in and all of that was hard enough as it was without social media. So imagining now having that like 24-7 constant exposure to it and and the added pressures that that brings is (laughs) mind-blowing. So a big goal of the organization is, is kind of just providing the tools and conversations and resources that you wish you had when you were younger. And the things that would have made a difference for you growing up that maybe would have helped you feel more confident in your skin and more empowered when it came to your mental well-being and your relationships, your friendships, and just really owning who you are. I actually just got chills when you were talking about that because I think I feel this deep responsibility as a generation that went through kind of growing up with technology and social media the way we did. I feel deeply responsible for the following generations to educate them and teach them what we know and sort of the repercussions of our relationship with social media and just how different that education can affect your experience with something Instagram or Facebook or what have you. Yeah, the movement is really just all about empowering kids to to be more of who they are and to be more than just what they look like. Is this being implemented in schools already or where are you guys at with this? We started about three and a half years ago as just like a local community passion project of mine. And then really quickly, I started to see a bigger need and so evolved it into the nonprofit that it is now. And we just finished a two-year sort of pilot program of our curriculum in a handful of schools in the Southern California area. And now that that pilot is completed this coming school year in the fall, we're rolling out to schools across the country. So, you know, if any teachers or educators are listening to this, we are in an uh, an open enrollment period for anybody who wants to, to implement the curriculum. It's a free resource. We're also working on developing some international versions of it for the UK and Canada and Australia. So the programming will be implemented over there as well. We also host... Uh, parent workshops and professional development series for teachers in schools so that they're all kind of speaking the same language and, and elevating these conversations together. And then we've got a bunch of opportunities on like the digital side of things. We are right now fundraising to film a documentary series that highlights these issues and develop a digital mental health resource for teenagers. So anybody who wants to get in this involved in this mission, there's so many avenues to do so. 
I am so into this. We might have to follow up with you to have a whole nother episode on Be More. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I'm Seriously. so down. I'm so happy that you're doing that because I mean, I know I've been affected by social media and it sounds like you guys have too. And it's just thinking about kids being affected by it. It's just, God, it kills me. So it just makes me so happy that there's someone out there like you that's doing this hard work because that takes a lot of work. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely have been impacted by myself and even still, like even with all this understanding that I have and the work that I'm doing, I still go through periods where I'm like, wow, okay, I've been on social media way too much because I'm feeling not good enough or I'm feeling mentally drained or I'm feeling something that is not serving me when I get off the platform instead of feeling inspired and motivated by my peers and connected to the people in my life. Mm-hmm. That's, I think the first step is to just notice like how it's impacting you and setting boundaries from there. So going back just to our conversation about lifestyle changes, what are the three considerations we need to make when embarking on lifestyle changes that you've run into with your clients? Okay. So the first one kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, and and that's the willingness to to change and to make long-term changes, to know that you're embarking on a journey that is not just for 30 days. It's not temporary, you're really embarking on something that is meant to be sustainable and to adopt new habits that are going to serve you long-term. So that's the first thing to consider is just that willingness within yourself. Because sometimes like you're in a place where you're really not willing or, or able to take on change. And that's okay to admit to yourself too. If you have a lot that's going on for you externally and you are dealing with, it could be, you know, a lot of different things, projects, relationships, anything, you might not be in a place where you're really able to, to make a change. And like, that's okay to admit to yourself that maybe you'll revisit it in a little while, or maybe that's the catalyst that you need to make the change because you feel like you have so much going on. So that's definitely the first thing. The second thing is being aware of the resistance that's going to come up. And that's both internal and external resistance. So anytime you're making a change, there's a part of you, your ego self, that is going to fight that change. It doesn't like change. It likes, you know, business as usual. And that part of you likes control and expecting how things are going to play out. And when there's something that challenges that, your ego really doesn't like that. And so understanding that you may encounter like self-sabotaging behaviors. You might get in your own way, even though it's a change that you really want to make, you might have a hard time making it and understanding that that's part of the process too, that it's not linear. It's not always going to be better and better every day. You might slip up or you might feel like you've backtracked and that is part of the process. So giving yourself compassion there. And then externally, resistance that you face from other people. The people in our life, same thing. They might be resistant to the changes that you're making, especially if it confronts the way that they're living their lives. So if something in you is reflecting something in them that they don't really like, and they know they should probably change, but they don't want to, they're not ready to yet, they might kind of push back or fight you on the change that you're trying to make and challenge why you're doing it. So that comes back to being connected to your why and your motivation for making that change. Because it can be hard if somebody that you really love and whose opinion you value is telling you 
you shouldn't be doing this for whatever, whatever their reasoning is. So it can be helpful to, again, be connected there and to understand that it's going to take some willpower and strength on your end to push through both kinds of resistance. And then the last thing, the last thing I would say kind of goes back to the first one is patience, patience and compassion with yourself that you're not, you don't have to have it perfect. You probably won't have it perfect every step of the way. And, and that's okay. And you might end up somewhere completely different than you thought you would when you embarked out on this change or transformational journey. And that's okay too. Just being willing for it to look however it's meant to look rather than how you think it, it needs to look or it's supposed to look. If I could just bottle that up and keep it in my pocket. <laughs> because it's so true. I think being gentle with yourself is one of the most important things about anything, not just any journey or change or transition, but just with anything. When you're grieving, when you're in a relationship, when you're talking to yourself, having this sense of gentleness and like you said, patience and compassion for yourself it's amazing how much further you'll go and also how much happier and confident you'll be in that pursuit. That's why we call, we've called this Unpack the Pursuit. Like we, we really are talking about the journey here, not the destination. And I know that sounds cheesy and we hear it all the time, but it, it's, there's so much truth in that and being able to sort of be comfortable with the uncomfortable or the discomfort of the journey because it's not going to look streamlined. I really, really love that. That was just some, yeah, that was a wisdom drop. Thanks, Megan. Oh, no problem. Yeah. Can I, can I share a little story with you guys that oh, please. what you said just reminded me of? Yeah. So it's, it's absolutely true that it is so much more about the journey than the destination. And I know that that's been oversaid, so it can sound a little bit cheesy, but it's so important to remember. I was, Last week, I so I'm visiting family right now in Arizona, and my little nephew, who's nine years old, was down here, and I took him indoor rock climbing one day, and he was so excited. He had he had done some like kind of similar things in the past, but like at a carnival, so it was kind of smaller scale, and I'm assuming probably pretty easy to just like climb on up and then jump down. And he also knew that I had been doing a lot of rock climbing lately. So he was excited to like share that with me. And he thought it was going to be like the best and he was going to be so good at it. And we get there and we get him all harnessed in and everything. And he learns the rules, does passes the safety test and everything. And then he immediately goes for a couple of the climbs or the routes that are a little bit more advanced. They're not the hardest ones there, but they're beyond what probably most nine-year-olds can do. But he, in his mind, had it that like he had done this before and he was going to totally rock it and it was going to be awesome. And so he started climbing and immediately was getting so frustrated. And he kept going for, again, all these climbs that were probably a little bit too advanced for him, but he really wanted to try them. And he was getting upset for two reasons. One, because his hands were hurting so bad. <laughs> like his skin was ripping. If you've ever done any kind of climbing or anything like that, you know that you can get rips on your, on your skins and your calluses. And the first time you do that, it feels awful. Like it feels really terrible to have your skin literally be ripping off. So he's like crying because of that, but he was also crying because he was so frustrated that he couldn't get to the top. I don't understand it. I should be able to do this. So I sat him down and I 
was talking to him about, well, first of all, like I remember my first rip and like, yeah, it sucks, but your hands are also getting stronger in the process. So you've just got to kind of learn to embrace that pain. That's part of this, this particular challenge and this particular journey. But going back to not being able to get all the way to the top, how boring would it be if we were just good at everything we did the first time we did it? If we immediately got to the destination right away the first time, life would be very, very boring. And there wouldn't be that much that there wouldn't be that much satisfaction in it. There's so much more joy and pleasure and pride and satisfaction in doing something that was challenging and that was hard for you and that you struggled through, but you persevered and you got there anyways. And I think that that's a lot about what this whole Unpack the Pursuit is about and like it being the journey and not the destination is because it would be so boring if we just like had everything figured out. As, as hard as it is when we're like in those moments of transition and struggle and we're like, I would do anything to like trade this and get rid of this. <laughs> we really wouldn't. On um, Like when you get to the flip side of it, you look back and you're like, okay, I see the point of that now. That was all worth it. And I'm proud of myself for having persevered through it. Exactly. And you sort of answered our last question for you, which yeah. is like, what does unpack the pursuit mean to you? And feel free to elaborate, but that was such a great story and it aligns so well with what we're talking about. Yeah. I've been challenging myself to like apply the same mentality in my life because it's easy from looking from the outside in. It's easy for me to have that conversation with my nephew and it's easy for me to be able to guide my clients through these challenges because I've been through a lot of them myself, but I'm still going through a lot of things too. I think that that's something I have to continually remind myself and that we all should is that when you accomplish one level, like there's going to be another level. There's always going to be more things to learn in that pursuit of whatever it is. Like if you're pursuing greatness or success or just a life well lived, there will always be new things that kind of rock the boat a little bit for you. And for me personally, it's just about remembering, okay, this is, it's worth it because, you know, I'm connected to my why and it's a lifelong thing. Like I don't have to be perfect right now or ever. I don't have to get there right away because it would be really boring if I did. (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally agree. And thank you. Thank you so much. This was, you are so articulate and genuine and you're just such a presence. I'm so, so happy. I'm thinking in my head, I'm just like, wow, I'm so thankful for Girlboss. I'm so thankful for Natalie for doing this (laughs) podcast with me. I'm so thankful for Megan. Like I'm just feeling very, a lot of gratitude right now because these are the kinds of conversations that just put me back in a good place. It reminds me why I wanted to do this podcast and why I think talking about these things is so important because hearing you speak about what you're passionate about and what you bring to the table as a life and wellness coach is it really rings true to a lot of things that so many of us feel. And I think we all come from many, many different, you know, backgrounds. We're not the same and we don't go through the same things. And sometimes there's very, very little for us to actually relate on, right? Depending on where we come from. But I think when we talk about things like this, unpacking the pursuit, having compassion and patience with yourself, things to think about when you're embarking on voluntary change, These are actually things a lot of us, if not all of us, can relate on and connect with. And that's a beautiful thing when we, as humans, can come together and be like, no matter where you're from, what you look like, what you do, how old you are, 
we can all kind of agree that these feelings arise, these emotions arise when we're going through change, which we all do because we are all evolving. So really, really beautiful. And I'm just super thankful that we had you on here, Megan. Thanks so much. Yeah, seriously. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for creating this platform. And I'm so grateful that we connected too. And it's so good to be present to that, that gratitude because it just like attracts more of this. And yeah, I think that you're, you're absolutely right. Like the exact circumstances may look different, but there are these universal truths that we can all come together and connect on. And that is done when people like you guys are creating platforms to have conversations that matter. So thank you for doing that. So Megan, if anyone who's listening right now wants to reach out and get in touch with you about what we've talked about so far, how can they do that? Yeah. So I have a website. It's empowered-bodies.com. You can go there. I've got a blog if you want to you know, read more about some of the topics I've shared about. And you can also email me or contact me from my website if you want to reach out about one-on-one coaching or if you just have any specific questions. You can also follow me on Instagram. I post a lot of just kind of general wellness tips and quotes and stuff there. A lot of yoga content. Um, my Instagram is my, just my name, at Megan Sharer. And then I also have a podcast as well. It's called Life in Yoga Pants. And we kind of talk about all things wellness on that show. We are going to wrap this up, everyone. So as you know, we love, love, love hearing people's stories, what they've been through, whether it's their stories or some tips that they have for our listeners. So if you guys want to be on or you want to hear something, please reach out to us. We're going to leave all of our contact information when we send this podcast out. And so with that, it's a wrap.